Hey, welcome back, man. It's your boy Clayburn Jackson in the building. Uh, today, man, today is officially the uh, third year anniversary of my mom's passing. So I kind of wanted to come to y'all and, you know, kind of uh, say like a year, a yearly checkup on uh, mental health and coping with the loss of a parent. And just some of the things that I've learned on how to deal and process all the feelings of grief and guilt, uh, the process of healing. Um, I know I've probably made one before and I've discussed the um, the grief side of it more than anything. I think if anything, I was in the process of healing, but I hadn't truly embraced it. Um, I already had one session with the counselor. And I think when I had that session, I wasn't 100% honest with the what I was, how I was really feeling when I went to go see them. So instead of really trying to work through all of my issues with them and cover all bases and bring up every topic, everything that was bothering me, how I was truly feeling about certain circumstances, I was kind of uh, in therapy and denial, you could say, because I gave them some of my issues, but not all of my issues. And I think at that particular moment also, I was more concerned about having them approve me for medication so that I could still kind of escape it. Now, even though during the process I was able to wean myself off of the prescription they gave me, I still wasn't really healed, and I was still kind of in that same area. Now, I know they said in the beginning, when they first prescribed you the medication, that it's a good chance that once you get off of it, you might backslide. Uh, you probably won't realize how much you need it until you're off of it. And then on top of that, I didn't go through the actual steps of weaning myself off. I think for me, I felt better, felt like I was coping with life. And at that point in time, I was like, hey, you know what? I'm going to put these pills to the side and get back to functioning. Because no matter how open I was with the whole thing of going to therapy and accepting that that was something that I needed to do, it was a journey that I needed to embark upon, I still had some of that machoism left behind me to where I was like, okay, they give me the medication I take the medication, but taking that medication to me was still kind of a sign of, a, of weakness and not completely submitting to the process. So I wanted help. I wanted healing, accepted it, but didn't fully accept it, if that makes sense to you there. It's kind of like you can go through a process, roll with the process, but not fully uh, be dedicated to what's going on with the process. You know, everybody always tells you, you have to trust the process, right? So I did another run with therapy and this time I took myself out and I've covered it in a couple of other episodes here where it was 30 days intensive treatment. And this time we covered everything from the grief, the guilt, the sadness, the anger, the numbness, the confusion, the feelings of relief. And then we topped, you know, we went through other life issues that I was dealing with at that time also, but those signs and symptoms, when you're going through these different emotional tri- like emotional rides, you have your sadness, anger, numbness, confusion, fear, guilt, relief. Your body is in such a turmoil that it really doesn't even know how to process all the feelings that you're dealing with. And then when you're not completely honest with the therapist about it, they really don't know how to help you. You know what I'm saying? They're only helping you from what you're explaining to them. And you hit that part, man. And I think everybody grieves differently, man. So everybody's when it's that grieving process, man, it's an individual sport. You know, 
For some people, it might hit them all at one time. Some people, it might be bits and pieces that comes as it goes. Like it could just be something that takes place, an event, something that you see, and you just feel that feeling will come on out of nowhere. You might have been perfectly fine, not feeling guilty at all, but then you think about a time when you didn't take that parent to a doctor's appointment. And now all of a sudden you're starting to feel this guilt because, oh, man, that was that one time. Now, mind you, you could have taken that parent to 10, 15 appointments. But that one time, you'll start to beat yourself up about it because you'll start feeling like, well, maybe that one particular time would have changed the whole game, knowing that that one visit wouldn't have been the game changer, but you'll start to beat yourself up. So, And that's what I mean by everybody will start to feel some of these symptoms at different times. You know, I mean, for me, uh, I don't really don't know what hit me first. I think I want to say the sadness is what got me first. Because in the beginning, I didn't think that would be as sad as I would be, because the way that my mother was, it was one of those things to where she was up, down, up, down. And the conversations we and her would have was almost like she was trying to prepare me for when it was to happen so that I wouldn't, you know, be so surprised and so shocked Example, I went to go see her one day, and at this point in time, she's in a um, one of those uh, assisted living facility places. Um, she's there. So I go to see her after work, and it's like my regular routine. So when I go to see her this one time, and this was after she had left the assisted living area, she had to go to uh, an emergency. She had to go to the emergency room uh, for some other issues at a separate hospital. They just brought her back. She was going through the process of uh for her, which was recovery, she was never going to be fully recovered. But for her, she was getting back to being cognitive and talking and so forth. So I go to see her after work. I get down there to her room. I hit the corner. And, man, I tell you what, dude, my, my heart dropped, man. My breathing almost shut off. Her bed was empty. And when I say empty, I don't mean empty like there wasn't a person. I mean empty as in, like, there was just the mattress, that plastically covered looking mattress, the room looked clean. Like this person had cashed out, checked out and was gone. Now, mind you, I hadn't got a phone call. My sisters hadn't called me. No one had alerted me to me like, to her passing away or anything of that nature. So imagine my shock. I'm just like, Oh, what the hell? And I'm just kind of standing there in the hallway. I didn't go fully in the room. I'm just standing there in the hallway and I'm just looking like, what the heck just happened? All of a sudden this nurse, I guess this nurse down the hall could see that I, I look like I was about to die. And she starts yelling, no, 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 no. Uh, uh, you're looking for your mother. And I'm like, yeah, I'm looking for my mom. She's like, oh, no, no, no. She's okay. She's just downstairs getting x-rays. While she's getting x-rays, we decided to deep clean the room while she was gone. She'll be back in like 30, 40 minutes. And I'm just like, oh, my Lord. You know what I mean? And that that was like, <laughs> it's a crazy story. But the thing was, when my mother came back, she gets to the room. And I'm telling her what's happening and she's laughing because I'm telling her this frantic story. The way I'm telling it to you now is way more calm than I was when it happened. So the way I'm telling you is, is a mild version. But when I'm telling her, I'm animated. I'm pointing. I'm staring. I'm breathing. And then, Mom, I was like, <sighs> and then I felt my heart just kind of hit. I'm just like, oh, no, no. What the heck? They're happy that, you know. So she's cracking up because she knows her son is very animated. And I don't really express a whole lot of feelings at times. But, man, when I do, boy, good Lord. So, me and her have a good laugh, a good chuckle. But then she tells me, though, she's like, look, boy, in her own laughing, joking way, don't come around this corner one day acting a fool because you know your mom is very sick. And truth be told, I might not be here one of the days that you hit that corner. 
She says, so don't be in here acting a fool and falling out on the floor, kicking and screaming. You know, me and her had a good laugh. And in her own way, she was preparing me for her departure. So with these conversations that me and her had, I often thought that, you know, when that time comes, I'm going to feel, a little, you know, of course I'm going to feel sad because that's my mom. But I'm not going to feel sadness to the point that I basically shut down and want to crawl into a whole type of sadness. You feel what I'm saying? But I definitely knew that I would still be sad and, and a kind of an emotional mess. But I, I think I was going to fall apart the way that I did. You know what I mean? And that's the crazy part about it is you don't know how it's going to truly hit you. Uh, when I did find out that she had officially passed away, it was weird because the day before, me and her had this crazy conversation, joking, laughing the whole bit. I was supposed to bring her back some food she wasn't supposed to eat in the hospital on my next visit. That following day, she went to the hospital, and then uh, she ended up passing away at that hospital that she was in. But it was so strange because that last time I spoke with her, she was, she was so full of life. So before to where I might have been more prepared, this time I completely let my guards down and was just like, oh, no, she's she's perfectly fine. She's 100 this time. And this is the time that she didn't pull out of it. And she passed away. When I found out those words, I couldn't really let it sink in at that time because I was off with my son at a, at a tournament. I didn't want to affect the rest of the day. So I think that was the first steps of me starting to block and hide my true feelings and trying to put up this wall because initially I had to put up that front for him, not letting him know that his grandmother had just passed away, kind of keep it close to my chest until we got back home, which was a few hours away, and then still had to figure out how do I explain this to this guy and have him process it? So I think at that point, parentally, I began to hold my feelings in, hide my feelings, and feeling like I had to be strong to push through for him. Not knowing that I was really functioning more of a weak person because I was trying to hide and push away these feelings. Can you follow me? Can you dig what I'm saying? So I think that was one of the things that hit me first was, was sadness. After the sadness was like this strange feeling of relief for my mother, per se, because she had so many different issues that was going on. And when you're watching this superhero, this woman with the cape, somebody who you think that no one could ever take down. Now, when you're watching this person go through this process where they're getting older, their health is uh, deteriorating, they can't function like they used to, they're in constant pain, you know, just for her to shift from one side, the pain would kill her, man. I knew that she was such a fighter that she would never give up. You know, um, there's times when people talk about hospice. Man, I tell you what, man, when people bring up hospice to you or to your parent or to somebody who's sick in that scenario, trust me, man, nobody wants to hear about hospice. Everybody has that fighting spirit. And the way that my mother was, hospice was something that she didn't want. She was never going to go for that. So, it had to be something for her that was going to be natural. And like she explained to me, as painful as it might sound, worst case scenario, I have one harsh attack of pain, and then that's it. She's like, but I am not going to give up this fight and end up in hospice. And she, me and my siblings used to go back and forth about that hospice business, but I knew her wish was not to go to hospice, and uh, we weren't going to let that happen. And eventually, when her time did come, she wasn't in hospice, but she was in so much pain that when she did pass away, there was a part of me that felt like a sigh of relief, like, man, like, I don't have to see her suffer anymore. 
I don't have to see her put up this fight and put up this front and act like this pain is not getting to her. You know, and she wasn't one for taking pain pills and pain meds. And, you know, she she really didn't like that kind of stuff. You know, now I ain't going to lie. Shoot. Her not liking them did kind of leave some laying around here and there, but that's a whole other podcast. But she wasn't one that would like to take those kind of medications. She didn't like that. So she would just really suffered through a lot of the pain that she had to deal with. So when she did pass away, for me, there was that moment where I felt like some relief, like, okay, she's no longer suffering and she can finally rest easy. And me and her always had this thing from when I was a young knucklehead to where she used to always tell me that the day that she passed away, she was more or less like, look, if you don't get your life together, I'm not going to be able to rest in peace when I do go. And that week before she passed, me and her had a conversation. And then I'd asked her, I was like, look, so when that time comes, you're going to be able to rest in peace. And she looked at me and was just like, you know, I, I truly can. You know, so knowing that she felt that I had, made positive changes in my life, corrected a lot of the madness that I was into when I was young and that she could rest easy. That also gave me some relief to her passing because I knew that she wasn't going to be at, you know, in a place where she felt uneasy. Heck, you know, uh, following her full son, she, she might've went, she might've went down instead of up trying to cover up all my madness from back in the day. You know what I'm saying? But that was a relationship that me and my mother had, which was kind of like, when she passes, you know, for for most people out there that's listening that lost a parent, when your parent passes, man, you're losing your best friend. You're missing, you know, you're losing out on your attorney, your confidant. Yo, your parents is that rock, depending upon your relationship. You know, I think we probably have all had a conversation with our parent where they were just like, don't tell me too much. I don't want to know too much. I don't need to know too much. Because if anybody ever comes knocking on this door, I don't want to have to explain nothing. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, But that's how close you know that that parent, you could tell everything. And they're never going to turn on you. They're never going to do you dirty. So when you lose that person, you're losing everything, man. Your first best friend, your first play buddy, your first, you know what I'm saying? Just, man, your first teacher. Everything is, is that person, is your mama. So when they leave, you have that sadness. You might have that sense of relief because they're no longer suffering. But then for me, from rolling over from the sadness and the relief, I found myself becoming very angry also. You know what I'm saying? And not so much angry at her, but angry at the process of how everything went. You know, I felt she could have put herself first in a lot of situations. I know a lot of people out there probably feel the same way with their parent. You saw them make certain moves where they put everybody in the family before them health and all so that everybody else would be okay. You know, parents lie. I mean, shoot, I do it with my son now. I lie to him on a regular, whether I'm feeling good or bad or in between, right? Excuse me, I'll keep it real around here. I had to get that coffee in. But, you know, it's like a conversation with Clay. <laughs> but uh, anyhow, uh, even with my son, when, when I've had problems in it, with my health, He's never truly known because, you know, as a parent, you just kind of shield it, man. We know we wake up with so many aches, pains, so much stress and so forth. And we shield that from our kids. And we don't realize that that's what our parents are really doing for us until we have our own. They were like, man, I'm doing the same thing that they were doing. Basically, like, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's a trip. So at some point I was angry 
very, very angry, mad at the world, mad at the doctors. I mean, multiple trips that she had in the hospital, there are times that my sisters would have to tell me, you know, uh, you can't go off on the doctor. You can't threaten the doctor. You can't harm the doctor. You can't make this person heal your mother. They're doing the best that they can. And, uh, you know, for me, it was hard to process because I felt like these people could have did more. You know, then I had the feeling of anger, like, did these people just stop helping my mother and just let her pass because they were just looking for that room? They wanted somebody else in that room. So did they do that? You know, conspiracy theories. All these things start running through your head when you lose a loved one because, you know what I'm saying, like, like you become so defensive and protective over that person that now that they're gone, you start trying to play back everything that happened. and It just makes you madder and madder and madder at the world. And you're trying to go out every single day and live this life like everything is fine when it's really not. You know what I'm saying? And I know some of my people out there whose parents pass away. I'm sure what I'm saying is not foreign to a lot of people. You know what I mean? And this is the thing where we kind of talk about the symptoms and some of the things that we go through. And then we'll get to the part where we also speak on some of the healing process. But in order to heal, you have to first recognize and accept the feelings that you have. And that's the part of this process here. And this is what I learned from two trips to therapy and then ongoing therapy. I haven't stopped with the therapy. Trust me on that. Uh, it's, it's, so, it's so many benefits to it. Any of my men listeners out there, please let that machoism go. Go seek help, man. Seek help. You know, especially with everything going on in the world right now. People can't follow a weak leader. You know what I mean? A weak leader physically or mentally. And if you're mentally weak, and that's what we really are, we're really mentally weak when we're denying the fact that we need help and need to go get that therapy. Just a little side note. Can you dig it? But uh, back to the feelings of what you go through during this process, there's also this part where I became very numb. Now, remember, you know, everybody's way that they grieve is different, man. So some of you might experience these feelings, some of you might not. But at one point in time, I became so numb that I just didn't even care anymore, man. Like, example, I could come home from work and sit down and put up this fake smile all day, come in the house and sit down, and I'd just be vegged out, numb. Grab a bottle, numb. Take something to go to sleep to, numb. Just numb to the world. You know, you could have told me that. Six people got in a car accident and lost lives on the freeway. I'd be like, yeah, okay, man. I was just numb. You know what I mean? Because at this point now, I'm at the stage where I've been so sad. I've been so angry. I felt so guilty that the only way I can see to even function at this point is just to go numb and just just let everything bypass me and not worry about anything anymore, not even care about nothing anymore. You know what I mean? And that's never a good way to be, but that's where you are when you finally get to that point. And you're just like, man. And now keep in mind, though, at this point, I'm still not thinking, oh, I need to go seek help. Or I need to go sit down and talk to somebody. Now I'm just like, hey, I found a way to deal with it. I'm just going to numb this out and then keep it pushing. And then along with that numbness also comes that feeling of fear. Because you add it all in, you start thinking about how now your go-to person, that person that supplies you with that extra wisdom that that experience, that guidance, you know, my mom could drop three words to me sometime. And just those three words would send me in a whole different direction than what I was doing originally. 
Sometimes it might not even be a word. I could tell her a scenario, a story, a scheme, a plot, a plan. And just her looking at me while sipping out of that coffee with her glasses halfway down would tell me that this was a, a damn show, a bad idea, and to just cancel that. Just completely cancel it. You know what I'm saying? Not even say a word. There's times I'll finish something, I'd be like, so do you get what I'm saying? And she would just look at me, sip her coffee, look at me. I'm like, ah, never mind, forget it. Just forget it. And she'd be like, okay. And I'm like, that's it? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, that's all you got? And she's just like, no, okay. You said forget it, okay. But that was her way of saying, you understood. I understand. You understand that I understood. And yeah, just like you said, forget it. Go on and try something else and come back and uh, tell me about a different little scheme, plot, and plan that you have that, that might actually work out in your favor. And that's the beauty of that relationship that you have with that parent. That's why when they pass, it's such a harsh thing to deal with, right? Now, the the biggest one that, and I think this is what sent me to therapy twice, you know what I mean? And I still deal with it to this day. It's the hardest one for me to get over. I don't know how many people out there, and please, man, um, I think I got every piece of communication open on these podcast channels and stations that I'm on. Give me some feedback, input. If you have comments to drop about how you felt or how you've had to deal with it or if you just want somebody to talk to that's been in the same shoes, let me know, man. I really will reach out to you because uh, mental health, man, and, and coping with the loss of a parent, it, it's hard. It's hard. You really need to have a village pushing behind you. Can you dig what I'm saying? But for me, the hardest one to deal with for me was guilt. I felt so guilty about everything when she passed. You know, like I mentioned before, it could have just been that one time I didn't take her to the doctors. It could have been that one time I didn't bring her something to eat when she asked me. You know, I just felt like it was so much more that I could have done, should have done, that I didn't do. And that led to her early demise. Now, sitting down with the therapist, these people will sit down and open you up. And sometimes you need that outside opinion to really let you know that, hey, you did the best that you could. And that you really championed, really championed the situation. You rode that situation out, you know. And there are people who are around, who grew up with me, who've seen how I got down with my mom. There are coworkers that have seen how I got down with my mom. People knew that before anything, I put that lady's life before mine. And, you know, then, of course, my son. But that lady was on the highest level of who needs something done, let me do it. But even with that, I mean, I saw that lady every day. Did everything for her as much as I could. But even at that, I still had to deal with that feeling of guilt that I had. Because I was just like, man, this is this this is terrible. You know what I mean? Like you start beating yourself up and playing that what if game. What if I would have did this? What if I did that? What if this could have changed the whole game? There's so many different scenarios that you will put yourself through and torture yourself with. Self-abuse is terrible, man. Terrible. You know what I mean? You're in a situation where you're already dealing with a lot. You're hiding all your feelings and your emotions from everybody in the world. And now you're putting extra emotions on top of yourself by feeling so guilty. And now you're just forcing yourself to reevaluate every single situation that your parent was in and that where you thought you could have made a difference. But the power of therapy, man, you sit down with these individuals and they help you really, really, really clear your mind out. And we went over so many different scenarios where at the end of that scenario, the common denominator of, the, of each one of those scenarios 
was my mother being a strong-willed individual, wanting things done her way, how she wanted to get it done in her time and making those sacrifices and making those decisions. And I eventually had to live with that. Now, I still feel it sometimes like, oh, I should have did this. I think now I'm probably down to one or two things that I feel like I could have did differently that might have changed the outcome. But I'm working on myself. I'm a, I'm a work in progress. I'm a work in progress. Can you dig it? I'm, I'm a work in progress. I admit it. We all are. But I'm definitely much better than I was three years ago. Three years ago, I wouldn't have talked to anybody about it, yet alone did a podcast to try to help others. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> this, this would not have even happened. So I'm definitely in a much better place this time around, which kind of segues into the whole healing process, right? So in order to heal from what I've learned, from my hours of therapy. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. But uh, from what I've learned from my hours of therapy is uh, you, you first have to let yourself feel whatever you're feeling. You can't fight with the feelings that you're having because when you do that, man, all you're doing is, is fighting a battle that you can't win because for every time that you try to suppress the way that you feel, you're just making it that much harder for yourself to heal, man. You know what I mean? You have to first admit and accept what you're going through, the pain that you're going through. It's okay to cry. It's not okay to constantly cry in a dark room at night by yourself, but it's okay to cry. It's okay to cry on the shoulder of a friend. It's okay to cry in a therapist's office. It's okay to cry in a relative's house. Someone who really cares, it's okay to let those guards down and really let those feelings out and let those feelings pour because the more you let that stuff fester, man, crying by yourself in the night, just leads to depression, man. I'm telling you, it's a, it's a, you're already at that point, but the more you do it, you don't even know that you're doing it. You know what I'm saying? And and that's what makes it so terrible. And it just gets deeper and deeper and deeper. So you have to first accept the fact, accept the feelings that you're, that you're dealing with and just say, Hey, this is how I'm really feeling. This is what I need to work on. Then you can get out there and start trying to get yourself some help. You know what I mean? Um, you have to look a little bit outside of yourself sometime and recognize if you have siblings and so forth, understand that they're probably grieving the same way that you are. You know what I mean? You're not alone. The process, man, you're not the only person that's, that's dealing with it. So sometimes you have to not be selfish, reach out to your family and see, because you might feel like you're alone because they weren't there for certain things, but they're also losing a parent. You know, in the beginning, I mean, I had, some ill feelings towards some of my siblings behind it because I felt like they could have did more. You know what I mean? But I had to step away. And once I stepped back and unpacked a few things and it was kind of like, you know what? They did what they could do as far as they were concerned. They did the best that they could do. I'm not here to judge. We all had our own relationships with my mom. And now let's just see where we all are with things. And, one of the best things that came from this whole scenario is the the closeness that me and my sisters are able to redevelop. You know, I'm not going to put their names all up and down on this podcast because they're real private kind of people and their brother's kind of off. So I don't know how, how much affiliation they want with the podcast and me throwing them all up in there. But those who know me and have been around me forever, they know which sister is what. And uh, it just feels real good, man, to be close to my sisters again. Um, you know, it's almost like the relationship that me and my one sister had when we were younger and would sit down on the floor 
and uh, play a uh, shoe. What was it, man? We used to play a. Uh, God, it was a game that we used to play on Intellivision. Television or Odyssey? Man, that that shows you how old I am, right? Is Intellivision? It wasn't ColecoVision, but we had the video game systems, man. I want to say it was Intellivision, but me and her used to sit there for hours, man, playing video games. You know, uh, me and her had a real cool relationship. Then we got older and everybody kind of grew up and did their own thing. And uh, me and her were in the trenches a whole lot when it came to dealing with my mom. And we bumped heads a whole lot when it came to dealing with certain situations because she's more logical. I'm more emotional. So it's kind of like, you know, she's she's the thinking person. Like, this might not be the best route to go. And I'm that person that's just like, my emotions told me to burn the whole damn building down. I'm burning the building. You know what I'm saying? So there's a little live wire difference, man. But through this whole process, me and her have developed such a cool bond and a cool relationship, man. So shouts out to my big sis, man. Love you. Uh, shoot, my other ones too, man. Y'all cool. Y'all cool. Now, you know, love y'all too, man. But. You know what I'm saying? You just have to kind of reach out and recognize the effect of how the rest of your family is dealing with it. Because I'm pretty sure, man, if you reach out to the rest of your family, they're feeling the same pain. They might just display it in a different way. You know what I'm saying? And outside of your family, you can reach out for support. If you got that good friend, man, holler at them. But what I suggest is even outside of that is to really sit down with a professional because there's nothing worse than when you try to talk to somebody who's on the same level as you, just as, as a friend or just, you know, a regular person with no trainer or just somebody who doesn't really, I guess you could say, appreciate older people and what they bring to the table. Because what you don't want to hear a bunch of is your parents lived a long life based on how old she was. You know, your mom lived a long time. She was this age and that age. She lived a full life. That's not what you want to hear, man. That's definitely not what you want to hear. You want to hear more things about how that person was special to you. The relationship that you guys had was special. The wisdom, the knowledge, and so forth that she brought to your life and to your friends and to everyone around them. That's what you want to hear about, man. Nobody wants to hear, you know, it was their time to go. They lived a long life. Nobody wants to hear that cold response. If I want that response, man, you can get that just from like, get that from a bum. You know what I mean? So you want to talk to somebody who understands and appreciates with that elder brought to the table who respects the advice that you could get from an elder. You know what I mean? Cause I'd kill right now, man, to sit down and have another conversation with my mother to try and navigate some of these crazy waters that I'm in right now. I mean, my waters aren't that crazy. And I think they're probably just seem that crazy because she's not here to tell me that they're not that crazy. Yeah. Right. Exactly. That's always I'm still in therapy. Y'all just, just, just work with your boy, work with your boy. You know what I'm saying? Uh, the other thing that you have to do, is be very, very patient with yourself, man. Be patient, man. This is a process. Can you dig it? It's a process, man. It's nothing that's going to happen overnight. I remember people told me in the beginning, you know, the first time, like the day one to the second year and so forth, everybody kept telling me, oh, it's going to get easier. It's going to get easier. It's going to get easier. And uh, then you had those people who were real and just told you point blank, it's not going to get easier. It's not going to get easier at all. But if you equip yourself with the proper tools, you'll be able to deal with it better when it comes. And that's where I'm at currently is being able to deal with it better. Now that it's here, now that I've navigated through so much of it, 
I can deal with it much better, you know, to the point where now I can sit here and try and share some information with the people out here and try and help you all to deal with it. But the thing is, you truly, truly have to be patient with yourself. You have to make sure you get yourself some rest, eat better. If you were eating bad before, trust me, comfort food is junk food, which usually is bad for you anyway. And once you start doing that, man, you start getting sluggish. You think you're already fatigued and tired and drained from the emotions that you're dealing with, man. Once you start really letting that junk food and, and just bad eating habits take over, you're really doing yourself an injustice, man. So you got to, you know, work on some of the things that you eat. Try to eat healthier. You know what I mean? I mean, shoot, get yourself some rest. But be careful with that rest, man. I'm telling you, because sleep... Sleep has got to be the cousin to depression, man. I'm telling you, those two fools, if they were running buddies on the street, you would see sleep and depression just hanging out on the corner, waiting on somebody to get on. You know what I mean? Ooh, look, that dude over there, he does not look happy. Bam, here comes sleep and depression. They're going to both jump you, roll your butt up, take you back to the pad, turn them lights off, and have you sitting there sleeping, you know what I'm saying, depressed and winning the battle. Sleep enough. Just so that you have some kind of rest and then get yourself into an activity, man. Myself, I was always a gym rat. So part of my outlet to doing anything was going to work out in the gym. And that was also part of the reason why I knew that I was falling into some kind of depression, mental state that wasn't good. Because I started losing that desire to work out. And once you start losing the desire that you have a passion for, you know, you need to go seek help, man. And that's where it will run you. So. Like I say, you got to rest, be patient. You're going to feel fatigued. You're going to feel drained. You're going to feel whipped. You're going to feel beat like you've never been whipped on and beat on before. But please try to limit your sleep because that sleep will take you down a very, very, very dark path. Um, shoot, man, I, I even went to as far as trying to uh, trying to get like, to getting I even went as far as getting a second job because I wanted to run from it. You know what I mean? I was still trying to run from where I was going with this whole thing of depression. And uh, that doesn't work either. That just causes you to have more fatigue, man. So really give yourself some time to rest uh, mentally and physically and try and build yourself up in that way. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Uh, the other thing is, true, man. I'm not one who's really a spiritual person. You know what I mean? You won't catch me in a church on a Sunday. Um uh, Shoot, if you catch me to church on a Sunday, it's probably far in between. I always kind of teeter-totter, you know, jump the fence lines, whatever, one foot in, one foot out, whatever, with the whole spiritual side. Um, shoot, I do pray to something, probably not anything major. But for those of you who are spiritual people, whether it's just the power of gemstones or whatever, embrace that, man. Jump into it. You know, it's not something that, Really worked out well for me in that sense. But for you out there, if you're a spiritual person, this is the time to truly jump in there full and just, hey, what do people always say? Give it to God, man. Give it to God. You know, again, I'm not really an extremely religious person, but I do believe that you have to find someone out there, something, whatever, to give your problems to. Because in the sense of that, you're you're still getting it off of you. You're still getting that weight off of you by some means. And if it's spiritually, then, hey, do it. I applaud it. Get out there. Get with your groups. Get with your the leaders of your church, whatever it might be. 
And man, just embrace that spiritual surrounding, man. That's that's all I can really tell you on that. I can't touch too much on that part of it because that's not really my path. But hopefully that works for somebody out there, man. Just embracing a role with it. And uh, shoot, man, and that's really like the biggest tips I can kind of give y'all in that sense. Because outside of that, man, it just takes time, right? Um, I think the other thing, shoot, else out there, man, is is trying to just like treasure the memories, man. You know, in the beginning, I had those years where when I would think about things that went on with my mom, and it would actually bring me to tears. You know, if I looked at pictures, if I looked at Facebook memories, if I just thought about certain things, you know, I was I was like in a like in a crossroad because I wanted pictures of my mom around, I wanted to see her still in her presence, but at the same time, looking at those pictures would also make me just shut down and want to cry. So it was one of those weird times of life, right? But I kept those pictures around. And three years later, man, you talk about treasuring memories and things of that nature. This year, I made the favorite dish that she used to make. That was one of the dishes that I loved the most when she would make it. And that was uh, chicken adobo. Um, I found a recipe, made my own version. I'm sure she... I uh, was watching. She's probably cracking up because she always made hers in like in this cast iron pot. And now I'm up in here with an instant pot. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> with a, an instant pot in YouTube. She had a, a, a cast iron pot in the memory. You know what I mean? So <laughs> it's kind of like a tweak to it. But it was fun, man. It came out real close to what it was that she did. So the house smelled like it used to uh, back at her house. You know, so I sat down and had a glass of champagne out of her favorite glass that I kept, and it was her favorite champagne. I went down to uh, I went down to Balboa Park, and uh, she used to take us there as a kid to the koi pond. So I went down there, and uh, you know, took some pictures of the of the fish and the buildings and everything. And I went down. Man, I ended the day outside of what I'm doing right now. Went down to Starbucks and got a caramel macchiato the way that she used to get it. So, you know, I mean, at this point, man, three years, man, and this time around, it's been all smiles, giggles and laughs and jokes about me and my mama and the things that she would do and say. And I realize now that she's passed, man, I I am so much that lady's child. You know, it's frightening what you'll learn about yourself that you didn't know that you knew from your parent once they're gone. You know what I mean? So. When people say they're always with you, they never really leave you. I, I truly believe it because there's certain things that I do and then I have to step back and be like, whoa, you know what I'm saying? Like, whoa, you know, I was talking to my older sister and uh, it was funny, man. We used to call my mom and whenever you would call her, it was always a thing about, hold on, hold on. You'd be like, okay, I'm trying to find my Bluetooth. I'm trying to wait, wait a minute. Hold on. I'm trying to find my Bluetooth. Give me a minute. Then you hear her after fussing around and, Okay, are you there? Are you there? Hello? Are you there? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> she finally hop online. Well, I called my sister, and my sister did the same exact thing. Hold on. Hold on. This Bluetooth won't connect. Where's my Bluetooth? And me and her had such a great laugh about it because she was just like, I'm truly becoming mom. And it's funny because the older she gets, the more she looks like moms. But when moms was younger and we were younger, we looked on my, I looked spot on to my mom. But now that my sister is getting older, she's getting that look to where she's looking more like my mom and picking up more of her ways. It's, it's funny, man. It's, it's crazy. But we had a good laugh at that, man. Uh, she, I find myself doing so many things that she does. 
And it's, it's, it's weird, man. It's, it's a good kind of weird. So when they say that your parent is never truly gone and that they're always with you, they ain't lying, man. Yo, your parent is still here. You know what I'm saying? But you just have to treasure the memories. And trust me, man, it, it takes time. It, it takes a lot of work to get to that point to where you truly can sit back and, and treasure those memories and those fun thoughts and fun things that took place and so forth. But trust me, man, it, it's worth it. It's worth it. When you finally get to that point, you'll appreciate it. And just be like, man, you know, it goes from, I remember to, ha ha, remember that day on such and such? You go, but it takes time. Trust me on that one, y'all. So, things to take away from this, man. Grief, man. Uh, dealing with your grief is a process. It's not an event, man. It's not something you show up to one time. Counseling is not something you show up to one time. You know what I'm saying? Healing, man. It's, hey, healing process. You know what I mean? Everything is grief is a process. Healing is a process. Nothing is overnight. You know what I mean? You got to stick with it. But the main two things, though, man, just remember to be patient with yourself and be tolerant with yourself. And understand that once you lose a parent, man, uh, that's going to change your life forever. And if you don't work on yourself and try and recognize the signs and the symptoms of depression and so forth and the sadness and the guilt and get help, it can change your life for the worse. If you recognize your symptoms and get that help, it can also change your life for the best. Can you dig it for me one time? And can I get some harps on the way out of here? Let me give you all some harp action. Just to lighten the mood a little bit. Lighten the mood a little bit. One more time. (laughs) As you can see, man, I'm in a much, much, much better place this time around. This third year of my mom's anniversary. Before I get out of here, moms, we miss you, love you, riding for you as usual. And like I always told her, and I'm going to end it with y'all the same way that I always told her, which drove her insane. You know what I mean? She'd always ask me, everything's okay? And I would always tell my moms, I'm good. I'm good. And she used to hate that. Stop telling me you're good all the time when you're nearly not. I'm good, though, moms. I'm going to holler at you. So to my people out here that tuned in and rocked with me on this podcast, hey, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good, y'all. I appreciate y'all for rocking out with me, man. This is your boy, Claiborne Jackson. We're going to keep the nicknames out of it this time around. This is a tribute to Duke's mental health and dealing with the grieving process of losing a parent. Can you dig it one time, man? All right, y'all. Peace, love, and yes, I'm good. Yada, da.